to another episode of the Brandon Janu Show. And as you know, I am Brandon Janu. Like always, on all podcast platforms everywhere, it's Brandon Janu Show. And of course, social media platforms like Instagram, TikTok, Brandon Janu Show. And of course, my YouTube channel, Brandon Janu Show. Um, hope you guys enjoy all the new episodes that are out, man. I appreciate everybody that's been subscribing and following. Everything, man. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. <sighs> Let's get into it. So, I said I was going to do one. I posted on social media, and I am going to do one tonight, right here, right now. It is officially time for the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam, which is August 5th. But since SummerSlam is literally a couple days now, a week now away, technically, because it's August 5th. So, not this Saturday coming, <laughs> and not the next Saturday, but the Saturday after next will be, um, you know, SummerSlam, so I decided to do my top 10, a top 10 list of my favorite SummerSlam matches, and so, so all today I've been watching certain matches just to make sure certain matches uh, lined up and the matches that I really, really, really did like, um, you know, so I had a couple matches that I already was going to put on here, but I wanted to make sure that I went back and watched some. So here's some of the matches that I do still hold high regard, love to death, but they just didn't make the list. Uh, the first ever TLC match, which a lot of people forget, was at SummerSlam. It wasn't at WrestleMania 17. It was at SummerSlam 2000. Um, the first ever TLC match, of course, Edge and Christian, Hardy Boys, Dougley Boys. Uh, Got to add that as an honorary mention. Um, also... Um, CM Punk versus John Cena for the WWE Championship in 2011. Uh, would have been on here. I just didn't like the ending of Alberto Del Rio cashing in money in a bank. I thought it was a stupid ass ending. Um, also Stone Cold versus Owen Hart. It's a Continental Championship match. The ending of that match also didn't go the way it went. Stone Cold picks up the victory by like without the the neck injury would have been great, but. You can't put it on here for me personally. Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor. The first time they fought. The Demon Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins. Dope fucking match, but couldn't put it on here. Um, But yeah. And I got to say this. SummerSlam got way better matches than WrestleMania. Yeah. That that says a lot. Like, SummerSlam has the best matches outside of WrestleMania. Also, the Elimination Chamber match in 2000. And three um, between Triple H, um, Triple H, Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, Randy Orton. I forgot who else was in that goddamn element. Chris Jericho, Randy Orton. Once it Chris Benoit, Edge, one of them two. Um, Might have been Edge. Nah. Yeah, I know it was Shawn. I know it was Shawn Michaels. I know it was Chris Jericho. Randy Orton, Triple H, Goldberg. I forgot the other fucking person. There was somebody else. Might Booker T? I forgot who the fuck else was in that, that Elimination Chamber match. But yeah, that Elimination Chamber match also didn't make it. So, um, yeah. So you're probably thinking to yourself, well, goddamn, Brandon, what match did actually fucking make it? Um, uh, well, this is my list of my top 10 favorite WWE SummerSlam matches. So, Hope you guys enjoy this. Maybe you agree. Maybe you don't. I don't fucking know. But these are my favorites. So, um, 
So uh, I'm going to move. I have one up, but I'm going to move it down. Uh, yeah, move it down a little bit. But, um, yeah, so if you know I do top 10s, I go from 10 to 1. I don't start at 1. I start at 10. 10 to 1, uh, building expense of these matches. Uh, but let's get into it. So coming in at number 10 on this list is a match that I thought was really great. And it closed out this rivalry perfectly. And that is last year's uh, SummerSlam main event. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. The last man standing match. Out of all of the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar matches, I think every fan can tell you in wrestling, this was clearly the best match they've ever fucking had. Like, <laughs> it was concise. It was intriguing. It was actually something that you actually wanted to watch the entire fucking thing. You didn't know where it could go. Brock is such an unstoppable force. Roman Reigns was the unmovable object at this moment with his title reign. It was just obvious that these two men clashing at SummerSlam. And let's be real. A lot of us as fans of wrestling and WWE knew this shit, this shit could literally go either fucking way. Because, and of course, this was the first SummerSlam without Vince McMahon being in charge because Triple H had took over. So, it could have went either fucking way. But at the end of the day, um, Brock lost. Roman won. Roman is still the champion. Still doing that. By the way, just watched SmackDown. It just went off. Uh, and it seems like pretty much it's going to be like a non-sanctions street fight, no holes barred, whatever the fuck WWE want to call it. It's going to be one of those matches <laughs> for Roman and Jey Uso. But, um, yeah, last year was pretty good. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see the bloodline kind of fall now because this is one of the reasons why the bloodline was intact to help Roman keep the title. And, of course, everybody knows how this match ended, which was pretty much the Usos and Roman piling up shit on top of Brock Lesnar and making them, un making them pretty much not able to stand at the 10 count. So I know a lot of people probably would have this a little higher, but for me, it's at 10. It was a cool match. Like like I said, it's the best match they've ever had together. Um, like, ever. Like, everybody wants to stay WrestleMania 31. But if you take out the set Rollins cash in, WrestleMania 31 is WrestleMania 34. Like, <laughs> WrestleMania 31 is literally just WrestleMania 34 with them two. Like, it, nothing really was that special about that match like everybody says it was. Brock just beat the shit out of Roman. And that's pretty much it. But, uh, yeah, so that's at number 10. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, last man standing for the undisputed Universal Championships. Um, title, I should say. And number nine. Stand with Roman and Brock. At number nine, Brock Lesnar versus Brian Strowman versus Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns. Fatal four-way for the Universal Championship. This shit was a car crash and a half. Um, this, this was bad, man. This was a crazy fucking match. You had literally, there was no real loser. Like, this is, this, this kind of why it was a little hard to decide who could win. Uh, I, I love when WWE does this, where they usually, when they put all these different storylines together and just mash it up and have one big ass match. I loved it when they did the Armageddon, Hell in the Cell with Kurt Angle, Triple H, Rock, Stone Cold, Undertaker, Rikishi. 
Like, I love those types of matches. Like, I think those are the best types of matches when you bring in a storyline that kind of already links each other. This was one of those cases. Uh, Universal title needed something like this. It put it really on the map for me personally. I think Brock, Brian Strowman, Samoa Joe, and Roman Reigns. Brian Strowman was as over as he was ever going to be in the WWE at this time. Samoa Joe still was kind of unknown, except if you just don't rock fucking wrestling. You probably didn't know who the fuck Samoa Joe was. Let me tell you. He's the submission machine. He's Samoa Joe. Yeah. What the fuck he does? You never seen Samoa Joe in TNA before he got to WWE. I have nothing to tell you, or even Ring of Honor. Like, what the fuck? Where have you been? Anyway, and Roman Reigns was just getting booed out the fucking building. See, this is a completely different Roman compared to the Roman of last show. Even now, he was getting booed the fuck out the building. Nobody wanted to see him win. And to be honest, for him to take the pinfall in his match, which is kind of interesting. Because he's the one that took the pinfall. And me, personally, I would have put this shit on Samoa Joe. I let Samoa Joe take the pinfall because you were still pushing Roman to be the guy. And he took the pinfall in this match. It was kind of stupid. I didn't understand that shit. Um, because a couple months later, he will fight Brock Lesnar for the fucking title at WrestleMania, which made no fucking sense. Like, it just didn't make any fucking sense. Like, it just... He took the fucking pinfall. Like, and then you have him fight at Brian Lesnar at WrestleMania 34. For what fucking reason? That shit just didn't make any sense. I didn't I didn't understand that. But this match was incredible. Like, all four of these men did their part. Brian Lesnar went through two, three tables. <laughs> Samoa Joe was Samoa fucking Joe. Roman Reigns was what Roman Reigns was at that time. He wasn't a tribal chief. He was the big dog. And, yeah, nobody gave a fuck. Uh... It was a great match, man. Brock Lesnar pretty much getting wheeled out on the court. Then coming back, being like Terminator, you can't kill me, motherfucker. Like, he was just on another fucking level with it. Um, Brock was different, man. This match was incredible. Actually, if you go watch it, you'll see all four of these men just went out there and just was like, fuck it, let's throw caution to the wind. Let's fuck everybody up. Let's go get it. <laughs> it was an amazing match, man. Uh, it's definitely a, a classic to me, man. Um... Coming in at number eight, um, one of my personal favorites. Now, a lot of people might not like this match, but I fucking love it. Now, I don't know how many people don't like this match. I don't know how many people like this motherfucking match. But this is one of my favorite matches that I've ever, like, when I was a kid, I loved this match. And I watched it today, and I still love it. It's actually a really good fucking match, and it still is to this day. It literally boosted, pretty much pushed both of these guys to the stratosphere. After this match, and this is coming at number eight, will be SummerSlam 1998, which will be Triple H versus The Rock for the Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match, man. Like I said, I remember watching this when I was a kid, seeing this match. I loved it. I used to go by my dad on the weekends. We used to go by uh, my aunt house, my TD house, and my TD house and watch pay-per-views. So, of course, I was like a kid, 98. SummerSlam, Triple H versus The Rock, sign me the fuck up. Like, DX versus The Nation of Domination was was a massive robbery to me. I was a huge fan of both. Um, I was a more fan of a – I love more so X-Pac and D'Lo Brown fighting for the European title more than I like Triple H and The Rock fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. 
But at the end of the day, I did love this, this these these two men, man. And of course, they're like two of my favorite wrestlers, so it made sense. I thought that those two men were deemed, you know, deemed to be great. Even then, we all knew it was coming that both of these men would be great. Um, the Rock got there a little faster, but hey, Triple H got there. Um, if you would have asked me, I know they also class think in two thousand, two thousand, SummerSlam. I can't remember, but um, this is one of my favorite matches. Yeah, the uh, Triple H Rock and Kurt Angle, I think fought. For the title, uh, for the WWE Championship at, at SummerSlam 2000, but if you ask me, this is one of my favorite matches by those two men. Like '98 SummerSlam, one of my favorite matches. Um, yeah, and it was a ladder match. Like, come on, man, you can't beat a ladder match. Come on. Um, by the way, I think that might have been the Rock's only fucking ladder match. Like, if you actually think about it, I mean, The Rock is the only ladder match in his entire career. So, yeah. Uh, but that's at number eight. Uh, coming in at number seven. Ooh, this is kind of interesting because I moved some. I moved The Rock and Triple H down. So now I got to see what I want to do with number seven. I don't know what I want to do. This is kind of interesting. All right, fuck it. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to keep number seven the same. Coming in at number seven at SummerSlam 2008, the main event, Undertaker versus Edge in Hell in a Cell. I watched this match today. I watched it a couple years ago, I think, on YouTube. Thought it was a classic match then. Thought it was even better than they um, – this is again, like I said, SummerSlam got some of the best main event endings of all time. Um, this was a classic, man. I like this match so fucking much. Uh, Undertaker versus Edge is always an obvious choice of two men. And this is a, this is how crazy it is because neither man was fighting for a title. These were just two men that was just had a rivalry. You know, Undertaker had got uh, uh, pretty much bored from WWE, couldn't come and fight WWE anymore because uh, of Edge and La Familia. Um, and then Edge cheated on Vicky Guerrero and she put his ass in the head of the cell against the Undertaker. And this match was incredible, man. Edge did not seem scared of the Undertaker. This this was what it actually, I think, what is the best part of the match because Edge didn't come in with some scared hesitation shit. He came in as like, you want to go crazy, I can go crazy with you. You want to be dark, I can go dark with you. That's why I think this match worked so fucking well. It was a classic, man. It's a classic. I think it's a one of the best matches. Uh, a lot of people say WrestleMania 24 was their best match, but to me, I think this was their best match. I think they clearly were head and shoulders above. They played with the L in the cell perfectly. They included, and you, me being who I am, I love callbacks in wrestling matches. So for Undertaker to throw Edge through tables, like he threw him through the table to get him banished from WWE in the first place at one night stand in the TLC match, he throws him, he chucks him through two tables like he did him at one night at one night stand, and then it comes into the play of uh, Edge hitting him over the head with a camera at Survivor Series 2007 that cost him the title against Batista. Well, Undertaker grabs the camera, hit Edge over the head with the fucking camera. <laughs> Uh, Undertaker gives Edge a concerto. We already know Edge gave Undertaker a bunch of concertos. Um, 
And then what did he also do? Ah, oh, shit, I forgot what else he did. Oh, spear. He speared Edge in the cage because that's Edge's finisher. And then he also, at the end of the match, everything that was over, Edge gets back up and then he choke slams his ass through hell on top of a ladder. So, so yeah, Undertaker, Edge, Hell in a Cell 2008. Fucking fantastic uh, ending of a pay-per-view. I thought that was a, a really great ending of a pay-per-view. Um, yeah. Coming in at number six. Ooh, just barely missing the top, the top five of SummerSlam matches for me. And I love both of these fucking matches. I had to watch one a day just to make sure I wasn't tripping. And the other one, I already know how good it was. I didn't even need to go back and watch it. Um, Coming in at number six. Seth Rollins versus John Cena for the WWE and United States Championship to unify the WWE in the United States Championship. Uh, champion, title versus title, winner takes all pretty much. Seth Rollins versus John Cena two thousand at SummerSlam 2015. I would have loved to put the, keep this in the top five because it was in my top five, but I moved it down one. I would have loved to keep it in a top five, but I can't. Um, compared to the endings of both of these pay-per-views, both of these matches, this didn't even get the main event slot. And I get why, because Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar, which is another match that is not on this list, mainly because of how it ended. Um, it seemed like it was so much confusion on why Undertaker and Brock Lesnar ended the way it ended. So that's why I, that's why I didn't put it on this, match, on this, on this uh, list. But Seth versus John Cena, this is literally set authority set like this is literally him at his peak everybody remembers this match if you don't remember this match Seth Rollins was wearing the white uh the white uh the white uh costume that night yeah so I love this match I thought it was an incredible match I personally would have not had John Stewart fuck it up and pretty much had him be the deciding factor in the fucking match but that was kind of stupid but because he had no real reason I mean outside of him beefing was set and then it didn't I don't understand it, but Seth versus John Cena to be the champ. Seth versus John Cena to you pretty much be the the first WWE US champion. Um, was a classic. I thought it was a great match. Seth got a chance to really show off who he was more so than not. This was actually the match that made me really a Seth fan. Um. Yeah, this is a, that's crazy to say that. This is the match that really made me a Seth fan because, of course, John Cena is one of my favorite wrestlers. So, of course, why not Seth Rollins, you know, versus John Cena? It makes sense. But this was the match that made – and I also like the buildup. As much as people don't want to say they really fucked this buildup, I thought the buildup was great. I go back and watch that Seth, uh, John Cena, uh, Seth Rollins uh, contract signing for this match all the time because John Cena is just like – what he said was Seth when he got in the ring? He said, half of the half of the building is screaming, let's go see the other half of the building is screaming, the scene sucks. And not a goddamn fool in the building is screaming saying a goddamn thing about Seth Rollins. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Um, and he flubbed up his lines a couple times, but, hey, that shit was incredible. And then when he said, when he said one thing about Triple H, Triple H was never Ric Flair's bitch. <laughs> and Sunday, 
I'm gonna make you mine. <laughs> like, God damn. Yo, that shit was incredible. Um, it boosted set. It made set even into a bigger star. A couple of months later, he would break the tears up his knee up. But if he could have rode the momentum of this match, even after the Night of Champions match with him and Cena and Sting, if he didn't, if he never got injured, what would set had been? Because he was gonna probably drop the title to Roman, which would have made Roman more sustainable as the guy, but. Seth versus John Cena at, at SummerSlam 2015 was the best match they could have put on. And like I said, again, I understand why Brock and Taker closed it out because of what the fuck had happened. But me personally, Seth and John Cena at least should have had somewhere opening the motherfucking show. Because if you're in, in the middle of the pack, it's like, did you matter? But this match did matter. And it was a great match. Coming in at number five. Dope. Coming in. And number five, getting into the top five now. Let's keep it with John Cena because, to me, John Cena, big match John, as they say, did make the top five. And that match is John Cena versus Daniel Bryan. <laughs> SummerSlam, what was it, 20, I want to say 2013. SummerSlam 2013. The Beard versus the Champ, as they were posting it. Um, or as we now know it, the American Dragon versus the GOAT. Um, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena for the WWE Championship at, at SummerSlam 2013 was a changing of philosophy. Not changing of the guard, changing of philosophy of WWE. Um, Daniel Bryan Versus John Cena. John Cena, people forget, John Cena actually picked Daniel Bryan. He picked him. He actually picked Daniel Bryan to be his, his opponent because they had an incompetent GM that was like, hey, John, you want to pick pick whoever you want to fight? And he picked Daniel Bryan. And, of course, that was WWE's doing. But I don't think WWE thought John Cena was physically going to pick fucking Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan goes into this, and this is where the – Daniel Bryan is just a B-plus player shit kicked in. And this wasn't just a fucking thing on TV. This was literally behind the fucking scenes. We find out how much behind the scenes bullshit went on with this rivalry. Like, and it just set the pathway for how fucked up WWE's thought process was towards a guy like Daniel Bryan because he didn't match what WWE wanted him to match. And this was the first time you saw it and you realized it. And you was like, damn, WWE, like, this man is made. And again, this kind of feels like right now what's going on with LA Knight, where he's over. He's fucking over. Let him take the ball and fucking go. But instead, WWE's got this fucking philosophy in their heads where you got to be like this and we got to make you over. And it's like, that is the dumbest shit ever if the fans fucking loves this guy they're probably going to rive with this person in 2013 daniel bryan was as over as you can fucking make a person he was over it was it was there was nothing else and this is by the way in the mix of cm punk getting himself over for two fucking years without wwe really pushing him like that you give daniel bryan a chance versus john cena at, at SummerSlam 2013 and he beats him he beat him outright, one, two, three, 
beat him, take the title. And then you have Randy Orton come in and then take the fucking belt. And you wonder why fans revolted against you motherfuckers during this time period. Because you were the only show in town and you wasn't giving the fans what the fuck they wanted. It was stupid to the detriment of WWE. And they did this shit. They do this shit all the time. They're doing it right now with LA Knight. Talk about how things, good things come, those to wait. The man's over. Like, I don't know why the fuck you want to keep dragging this shit along. By the time you finally give him what he deserves, it's going to be fucking over. Nobody's going to care anymore. Daniel won this night, man. He won the title. He should have kept it. The fact that you literally had him go to Night of Champions, win it, and then say he couldn't win it because it was a crooked referee, it didn't make any sense. WWE just kept fucking up. What they wanted was Randy Orton versus Batista. They wanted Daniel Bryan to fight Sheamus again. It just didn't make any fucking sense. And the fact of the matter is that they had to switch course because the fans were not going to let you just push this man to the fucking side. And as fucked up as it was, it made WWE actually have to listen to the fucking fans because the fans actually was right for fucking once. Holy shit, we were right. Who the fuck knew that? He deserved to be the champion, just like LA Knight right now deserves something. I know he's not taking these pins in these in these matches, but you can't keep putting you can't keep letting him come out there. You see it, you hear it every week, you hear it every week, that you just like, well, he's just not there yet. Especially for a mid-card fucking title like the US championship. That shit makes no sense. This was the WWE championship. Like the man was over, he would have gave you great matches, he would have literally got the fucking title up. And that is why fucking fans revolted. That is why fans did not like the WWE. And that's why the Yes Movement became a fucking, it's still one of the biggest fucking things WWE's ever happened. Because it was fucking organic and they knew you were fucking with this man. When John Cena comes back at the, and he literally there in Washington, excuse me. And he goes up to Daniel Bryan and, and raises his hands up and says, this is why people respect this man, because he's actually worked for the shit that he's getting. That is what you do. And I think that is why a lot of people revolted. That match, though, all in all, wasn't fucking credible. You got to give it to both of them men. Like, Daniel Bryan showed up and showed out. John Cena, everybody was screaming, he can't wrestle, he can't wrestle. Well, go watch this match, because this man put on a fucking clinic with Daniel Bryan, man. And that is all. Uh, that, I know it don't sound as hard because it's Daniel fucking Bryan, but that was a good fucking match. The match I watched today, I was like, yo, I forgot how good this fucking match was. This shit was incredible. You didn't even know it was 30 fucking minutes. Like, it's it's like, damn, this shit is good. That is something that you barely see nowadays. Daniel Bryan got over organically. WWE tried their hardest to derail it, but the fans would not let it fucking happen. And I think WWE needs to, instead of WWE ever learning from their mistakes, they keep pushing this shit and thinking this shit makes sense. And it's like, the people you keep pushing will never get over because the organic ones are the ones you should be trying to make stars, but you don't. Why? Because you don't see them that way. And that is your biggest fucking dilemma. At number five is Daniel Bryan versus John Cena. 
at SummerSlam 2023, I mean 2013, oh God, 2013, the WWE Championship. Coming in number four, speaking of <laughs> Randall Keith Orton, coming in at number four, <laughs> Randy Orton versus Christian. And in it, I don't know if it was in Extreme Rules, but I know it was like a no holds bar match. Randy Orton versus Christian for the World Heavyweight Championship, SummerSlam 2011. Man. This match. <laughs> Man. <laughs> this match. Look. This shit was good. I remember the night Christian got to SmackDown and Randy Orton came from, I think, the draft or some shit. And Randy Orton ended up on SmackDown. And the first challenge of Christian's title ever, he won the fucking title. Six days later, this man put on a classic SmackDown main event with Randy Orton, and he lost the fucking title. This <laughs> nigga lost the title in six fucking days. Vince did not like this man. I don't know why Vince had such a vendetta against Christian. I have no idea. What did he do to you? This man won his title, finally won, won the fucking World Way Championship six days later. How fucked up is it to get told, yo, Randy Orton going to beat you tonight for the title you worked your whole life to get? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? What is that? Like, oh, my God, that was terrible. By the way, that RKO Randy Orton gave Christian to win that title was incredible. That nigga caught that motherfucker out the sky. Christian kicked him. And then it turned, and then Randy Orton was like, pow. I was like, oh, shit, he lost. <laughs> I said, oh, shit, he lost. Oh, that shit was, that was one of the best RKOs. Even though people don't clump that in, that's one of the best fucking RKOs. Because that nigga, Christian, Christian jumped up the second rope and was so happy. He turned, and Randy Orton was like, Boom! All oh, that shit was classic. Speaking of another RKO that was classic, in this match to win the win the fucking title back, Randy Orton, same thing. Christian hit Randy Orton with a Kindle stick to, you know, get space from him. Randy Orton pulls like the still still steps close, and then Christian like j did the same shit. Hit him with the Kindle stick to try to jump off the second rope. <laughs> and that nigga Randy Orton caught that nigga. Boom! I saw oh, shit. This time, though, Randy Orton got his ass perfect. This match, it got, I think it was like 20-something minutes long. It's one of the fucking best matches you would ever see. It's fucking fantastic. These two men went in there. Christian, is who, Christian, if you don't know how good Christian was, you couldn't see it really with WWE in this first run. But when you watched him in TNA as Christian Cage, he was the shit. Like, you can tell... Damn, WWE fucked up with this dude. They bought him back. And then when he went to ES ECW to be champion real quick, he had some great matches at ECW. But when he finally got back to that main roster, again, it felt like Vince McMahon just didn't know what the fuck to do with him or he just didn't like him. I don't know what the fuck it was. But Randy Orton and Christian had one of the best rivalries in 2011. Now that I go back and watch a lot of their matches in 2011, yeah, they really did have a really good fucking rivalry. Like, and this was one of the best fucking matches they had. This was a hell of a fucking match. Both men went in there, classic. Edge kicked it off. Edge came back just to tell Christian, I did not know my best friend became a sibling, you know, you know, self-centered son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I, 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 he's like, I'm not about to help you. 
with Randy Orton. Fuck no, you're on your own. And he just left him. And Chris was like, what the fuck? Like, yo, like, we best friends. What the fuck? It was so good, man. This match is incredible. It was a fucking banger, man. Oh, man. I'm I'm about to go watch that match when I get off this shit. I'll be honest with you, because that shit was good. That shit was good. Coming in number three, speaking of Edge. SummerSlam 2021. Out of the pandemic, they were Edge versus Seth freaking Rollins. This is incredible. This is literally like watching Young Edge versus Old Edge. It was fucking incredible. It was great to see it, man. We literally, it was the robbery that we all wanted to see finally. Like, we all remember when Seth was a part of the authority and he threatened to stump on Edge's neck and pretty much permanently, you know, put him in a wheelchair pretty much. So when Edge came back, that was one of the robberies. I was like, I got to see. One day these two got to clash. And when they finally did, it was fucking phenomenal. Um, the first encounter was at, Rest- at SummerSlam 2021. It made sense. They were incredible in this match, man. Both men gave it a, the all. I've watched it like several fucking times since I watched it the first time. It's one of the best matches. Now, it's not like a Hell in a Cell match at uh, Crown Jewel, but to say this was the first match, fucking fantastic. Um, they played off of both of each other's strengths and weaknesses. I think it was an incredible, incredible match. Seth Rollins, who is literally, like I always say, is one of my favorite wrestlers. Obviously, Edge is one of my favorite wrestlers, too. Like I said, it was like watching old Edge versus new Edge. It was just so goddamn fantastic to see two men who are the best of their generations kind of clash with each other. I thought it was in a hell of a match. Edge coming back, with that was the first time you saw Edge with the uh, the brood music and shit with the fire and everything. This was the first time you saw it, him with that for the set robbery, which was the first match at SummerSlam. Incredible match. I think it's like 20-some minutes, 30 minutes long. I think it's on YouTube. If you don't have the Peacock Network, go watch it. You'll be like, damn, this is a really good fucking match. Um, like I said, both of these men are one of my favorite wrestlers, and I thought that this was probably the best thing I had ever seen. So, hell yeah. This is number three. To me. I can't speak for everybody else, but to me, this is number three. <sighs> these next two matches, though, are my favorite matches in SummerSlam history. Like, Fuck SummerSlam. These might be my two favorite matches ever. Um, they just so happen to happen at SummerSlam. Coming in at number two. I wasn't supposed to even watch this match, but I was supposed to be skipping through it just to sim it and go to the, the Daniel Bryan John Cena match. Because I already knew this match was on my list. <laughs> but I was like, I'm already here. I'm not going to watch this shit. And I watched it. Like I've seen it for like the hundred fucking times since it happened. It's still one of the best matches I've ever seen. Especially since he's been back in WWE. Like, that was one of the best fucking matches I've ever seen. Coming in at number two, at that same SummerSlam 2013, the Beast, scratch that, the Best versus the Beast. CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. This is still Brock Lesnar's best match. Since he's been back in WWE. The man's been back in WWE for like a decade now. 
like over a decade now. This is literally still his best match he's had since he's been back in WWE. Better than AJ Styles one. Better than Daniel Bryan one. The triple threat match with him, John Cena, set is close. And I easily would say it's fucking close. I even said the SummerSlam match with him and Roman. Him and, him and Seth have had some good ones, but not like this. Him and Drew was pretty good at WrestleMania, but eh, wish they had a crowd. But if you ask me what was the best fucking match, this is it. This is top tier. This was the first, this was the first match Brock Lesnar had that he actually had to wrestle. Excuse me. This was the first time you saw Brock Lesnar actually have a match that wasn't just come in, German suplex, F5, Kamora lock, it's over. This was a real fucking match. Like, you saw how really fucking well-versed Brock was at fucking wrestling. Like, that shit is incredible. Like, watching them two men fight and actually have a real match, it was like, what the fuck is this? Now you watch Brock and you kind of already know what he's going to do. But in this match, you can actually say, this is the Brock I literally would love to see more of. This was incredible, man. CM Punk and him went at it. I thought this was, even when I watched it, when I was 10 years ago, when I watched it, I thought it was incredible. I watched this shit today again just to make sure I wasn't tripping. This is one of the best matches Brock has had since he's been back in WWE. It's been over a decade since he's been back in WWE. And this is literally the best fucking match he's had since he's been back. I'm not even joking. I'm serious as shit. Him and CM Punk went in there and did great fucking things together. I really do think this should have been at WrestleMania. I thought this should have been at WrestleMania 30 and not him and Taker. When you actually watch it, it's... CM Punk and him had an incredible fucking match. CM Punk barely has bad matches, and that is rare for Brock to have a, a... To me, a match. Earlier in his career, when he first got to WWE, him and Kurt Angle at SummerSlam 20, uh, 2003. Him and um, Kurt Angle in the Iron Man match. Him and, him and Taker. And having a side, no mercy. Like, he's had matches. But this is the first time with all that that power and all that strength. You saw how good Brock Lesnar really fucking is in the ring. He just decides to do that shit. The fact that him and CM Punk went out there in a no disqualification match, which is the craziest shit. Because they didn't even use weapons. They didn't use weapons until late in the fucking match. That's how fucking crazy that match is. Brock got to be the master. Brock got to be the monster, the beast, and corny. He got to do all that shit. But he also showed he can get fucking rocked. He can take as good as he receives. And that is something you rarely see. This match was fucking fantastic, man. Like I said, I think it's on YouTube. I can't really tell you. Just type it in. But if you know, like like if you've watched this, you know what I mean. This is literally one of the best matches in SummerSlam history. Them two went out there and fucking tore the roof down, man. And to set it up, literally the next match was John Cena and Daniel Bryan. So you literally had two bangers back to fucking back. This was one of the best matches. It it got a standing fucking ovation. Like, after the match was over. Brian got a standing ovation. The CM Punk got up and got a fucking standing ovation. 
Watching this match was fucking phenomenal. I like, bro, this is one of my favorite matches. And if you think I'm tripping that Brock has had a match where you're like, oh, it's been back and forth. Oh, the fuck it hasn't. Like, give me one that has been back and fucking forward. This is one of the rare few matches in Brock Lesnar's career since he's been back that was a back and fucking forward. Like, you couldn't tell who was going to win. Sam Punk hit this man with the GTS. Sam <laughs> Punk was rocking Brock. Like, roundhouse kicking. Brock was taking the kicks. He was, like, giving the emotion. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah. This is one of the best matches. Like, come on, bro. Like, yeah. If it if it if it just didn't live in SummerSlam allure with this my number one match, it would be my number one match. But it just does. Cause coming in at number one, I think I've said this before and I'll say it again. At number one, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels return at SummerSlam 2002 in a non-sanctioned match against the game, Triple H. Yes. Shawn Michaels returning was massive. It was incredible to see. But if you watch this match, it's more than just a match. This is it's fucking cinema. It's incredible to see these two men, two best friends, literally brothers. One goes away for four years. One becomes one of the biggest names in the company. One comes back to regain what they were, D-Generation X, and the other one stabs him in the back. <laughs> stabs him in the back so much, he threw his ass through a car window. It was incredible, man. The pop Sean got when he said, but my doctor said I could make a full recovery, let's say, around um SummerSlam. And she was like, just like, you challenging me to a match? Like, is that what you're doing? And Sean was like, you bet your ass I am. <laughs> Triple H's whole face was special. was like, motherfucker. Like, really? That's what we're doing here? It was a great fucking build-up to the match. The prom, like, if you watch the package, the promo package before the match, you get the emotion. You get it all. One of the best SummerSlams. Also, this is the SummerSlam with Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio, Rock and Brock. But this was one of those matches, man. And Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. Nine sanction is probably one of the best SummerSlam matches. And probably one of the best matches. And probably one of the best feel-good stories you've ever seen. Sean beating him with a roll-up, pretty much. <laughs> um, to watch how, how Sean and Triple H could just work. We didn't know how Sean was going to be coming back from a back injury. We never heard of this shit ever. That a person was coming back from a back injury, let alone four years away from doing this shit, he came back firing on all fucking cylinders. It fucking worked. It was incredible. One of the best SummerSlam matches of all time. It's one of my favorite matches probably ever. Um, yeah, that shit is top tier, iconic. I think it's still one of the best matches WWE's ever produced. I, I really do. Um, and it's early two thousands, so you know this shit was, and this is. By the way, this is the end of Stone Cold. The Rock is leaving. Everybody's about to go. And they put on a classic. They put on a fucking classic. So, definitely. But that is the top 10, my top 10 of SummerSlam matches, according to me. Can't speak for everybody. 
So let me run down the list one more time. Number one, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H, SummerSlam 2002, non-sanctioned. Number two, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar, uh, SummerSlam 2013, uh, no disqualification. Number three, Edge versus Seth Rollins, uh, SummerSlam 2021. Number four, Randy Orton versus Christian. I think this is a non, uh, no disqualification match as well for the World Weight Championship at SummerSlam 2011. Number five, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena for the WWE Championship at, at that same SummerSlam at Sam Park at Brock Lesnar. SummerSlam 2013. Number six, um, Seth Rollins versus John Cena for title versus title uh, at SummerSlam 2015. Um... Number seven, Undertaker versus Edge, Hell in a Cell, 2008, SummerSlam, to, uh, at number number eight, um, The Rock versus Triple H, ladder match, 1998, um, SummerSlam, at number nine, Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman versus Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship in a fatal four-way, can't remember what year that was, 2018, I think. Yeah, 2018. I think it was right before the pandemic. So 2018, I think 2018, 2017. Um, actually 2017. Yeah, 2017. Cause yeah, cause Brock and them fought. Yeah, it was about 2017. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it was 20 2017. Yeah, I remember that tripping. Yeah, 2017. Um. And then two uh that was number nine, and then number ten Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the undisputed Universal Title, Last Man Standing at last year's at last year's SummerSlam. Yeah, that's my top ten. SummerSlam's coming, and of course, like always, I will be doing my rating review show for that. Until then, I am Brandon Janu. That is my top ten SummerSlam matches. Peace.